0: The Old Testament reading is from Isaiah 55, verses 6 through 11. And this is found on uh, page 615 in your Pew Bible. This is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, beginning in verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. The Word of God. Thanks be be to God. God.
1: The New Testament Scripture, the first one is found in Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 42 through 47. It's on page 911 in the Pew Bibles. And they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to it all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the very word of God. Thanks be to God.
2: Please be seated, but, um, but open your Bibles, if you would, to our passage for today. It's found in First Peter, way back there toward the back of your New Testament, First Peter, chapter two. If uh, if you would like to follow along in a pew Bible, I know we have some black ones, which are large print Bibles, but we also have some uh, maroon ones. In the maroon ones, you can find First Peter two on uh, page one thousand and fourteen. Thank you for all this scripture, but um, we just want to. I invite you to God's word and we're trusting God, Holy Spirit, to lead you to the portion that he um, wants to speak for you. Peter, who um, himself suffered greatly uh, for his faith in Christ, is writing to those who also have suffered and greatly. In fact, they're scattered Uh, in the great persecution. They were scattered all over Asia and the eastern parts of uh, what is now Europe, and um, and so he's writing them a letter of encouragement, offering them a way of life in the midst of a broken world. And beginning in verse 1 of chapter 2, Peter writes, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like, like newborn infants, like cadence, long for pure spiritual milk. That by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Is the Lord good? He is. As you come to him, Peter says, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I'm laying in Zion. I think this was our, our call to worship today from Psalm 118. Uh, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. And whoever believes, and he jumps the metaphor right here, in him, the stone is a he. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, that very same stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And to them, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you, Peter says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, A holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his light. Oh, yes. Once you were not a people, quoting Hosea here, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The very word of God. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you. I love it that God loves us so much that he gives us his very word to guide our hearts. And I love it, too, that that his word is real. I mean, he speaks of truths. I think I'm going through puberty again here. He speaks of words. He speaks of truths that are real people. Uh, People find themselves searching for something, right? Uh, certainly, we've talked before, they are searching for glory and they, they seek that glory in all the wrong places. They're searching for love and, and like a country song, they seek love in all the wrong places, right? But, but today, we're learning that they also are seeking community. They're, they're longing to commune with others, with someone else, to to find their place in this larger world. We were laughing in my Sunday school class just about um, um, when you were in high school. And uh, yeah, I know, everybody's school. I, I had a great time in high school. Anybody have a good time in high school? I had a terrible time in middle school. I had no clue who I was, where I belonged. I was searching for an identity and I was a sitting duck for people who thought they had found that identity already. And uh, and so, but I remember in those situations that people would kind of gravitate to these little communities, right? I was a band freak. I was in the drama department. Um, we had an identity there. I had an identity with a band. I had an identity, believe it or not, with a track team. Remember I told you that I never won anything when I was a student. Um, I think the best I ever came in was third. And that was because there was... Three people running in the race, but um, but I had I had this little identity. I like the really the Twinkie shorts that they we used to run in, right? I had this identity as as a runner. Um, we we're longing for identity. We're longing for someone who we can call our own. And it's so interesting to me that that it seems like the very focus of the evil one's attack, it seems like the whole culture of the world around us is to dismantle your identity, to take away the communities that God gave you and, and to, to dismember people to the point where they don't know whether they're coming or going. So that's why I think Peter's words to us and God's words through Isaiah and, and, and And Luke's words as he described what happened when people in the very first century discovered Christian community. Those words are so important to us today oh, I invite you to open your heart to God's word here today. We have community it's our middle name actually here but we want to explore over these next 8 weeks what does it mean now to be the community of of Christ and today especially we're going to lay that foundation again I invite you we're going to go into this in much more depth on a week to week basis through the good and beautiful community but but today we learned that that a part of that identity is by focusing on the same thing uh, in in Peter by building our life on Christ the cornerstone in in the book of Acts we'll see some powerful clues about how we can build community. But what is community? What is it, right? We use the word pretty loosely, but can I just insert into your working definition the the way you base your life right now, community just by in the English, community is is this common unity, right? This common unity that we find with other people. So that might be as a golf in a high school campus, right? Or something like that. Or it might be as a when I'm in my day we had preppies, I don't think we have them anymore. Um but it might be in one of those places. But none of those communities last. There's not too many things more... Ooh, I'm going to step on toes here. Um, I was going to use the word pathetic, but, but then going back to a high school reunion and seeing people who never grew beyond those common unities they had in college, right? Um, the first five-year reunion, they were still trying to maintain all those, right? And then and then by the time we got to 10 years, um, it was just really obvious that some people peaked in high school, right? And they were still drawing on that identity. Praise God. We have something much richer, something much more foundational that we can base our lives upon. We have a unity that far supersedes anything we could have asked or dreamed about. We have this common unity in Christ. So so how do we build community I mean genuine community um, we got lots of clues from these passages. Let me just say first, make sure that you have a solid foundation. what are you basing your community upon there 's a lot of wonderful things to base your community upon but but when you measure them against an eternal scale, all of a sudden you start to see that some of them fall away. Certainly our high school identities uh, begin to fall away but But even now, we have several, three or four major things upon which we're building our identity. And are those things based on the foundation of Jesus Christ? Peter said, it stands in Scripture, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a precious and chosen cornerstone. And whoever builds on that, whoever believes in him, will not... Be put to shame, and in fact, you have to deal with Jesus Christ at some point. You have to deal with him. You can't just say, "Well, you know, I, I think he's a good person," because um, that would, if he's just a good person, that would make him a liar, because he claimed to be Lord of your life. At some point, either he's going to become that that foundation, that cornerstone. Christ is the cornerstone upon which all genuine community is built, right? Uh, either he's going to become that cornerstone or uh, Peter doesn't pull any punches and he's uh, making a direct quote from from Psalm 118. That same cornerstone is going to cause you to trip and fall. And I think how many people have been heard, and it's really popular now to say you know, I've been hurt by the church or I've been hurt by Jesus. But oftentimes, not always, sometimes the church did, I can't get the word stupid out of my head, um, things and cause other people to stumble. But the reality is if you don't build on Jesus, he will cause you to stumble. He will cause you to stumble because he's that important to you. Make sure that you have a solid foundation. But then remember the purpose of a cornerstone. It's gotten lost I think um, right outside that door is the is the cornerstone for this building. But but by that time technology had changed and you didn't depend on the cornerstone the way they did in Jesus day. Now that cornerstone's raised up and it looks like a stone plaque to the glory of God, and it has the date that the sanctuary was built. A a genuine cornerstone is a perfectly shaped rock that gives direction to the whole rest of the structure. It's not just the foundation upon which the structure is built, but it also gives purpose and direction. The lines of that stone will determine the lines of the building both vertically and horizontally. And so so make sure that the purpose and structure of the community that you're building aligns with the foundation. And so we have to say, what are those directions? What are, what, what is our common unity? And this is really the gospel. You've heard it almost every other week. This really is just the gospel through all scripture from Genesis 1 to Revelation. This, this gospel is that we were all created For by God for his purpose and glory. That is what we have common with every person who ever walked the face of the earth. We were created. So there is a common unity with all of humanity. All of humanity. We were all created by God for his purpose and glory. Not all humanity recognize that. But the reality from the Bible's perspective is that that is a common unity. Here's the tougher one, though. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And all of us bear and suffer the consequences of that fall. Right, so we were all we have this common unity, and that we were all created for God's glory and His purpose. But we fell short of that, right, and are suffering the brokenness that comes from that. And there's not one of our lives that are not touched or tainted by the effects of that sin. And again, that's true for all of us. Some of you came here thinking, "I want to come to a Christian community so that I can." They have it together, and and I want to become more like them. I I hate to burst your bubble. But but none of us are there. We have a common unity, and that's that we're all broken. And and some of you might be going, wait a second. Yeah, I, I I I may let a word slip once in a while, or I may fudge a little bit on the truth, but but in in general I'm a pretty righteous dude, right? In in general I I'm a pretty good Person, Right. But here's the deal. Our standard is not average. Right. Our standard is not what other people around us do. Our standard that we chose through Adam and Eve in the garden is the glory of God. And we fall short of that. Some by our righteousness. Right. The prodigal God. Some by our unrighteousness. But we all fall short and desperately need redemption, right? And, and here again is another common unity. We all have the opportunity to receive the gift of redemption through Christ's sacrifice on the cross. This is much more complex than we're going to go into today. But the reality is we all have that opportunity Go out into the highways and byways in the parable of the wedding feast, right? And, and impel them to come in. Redemption is offered to us. And we have that in common. So every person that you lay eyes on is broken. Even, even the shiny ones, you know, even the ones that look so good, they're broken. But they're not beyond the reach of Christ's redemption. And we have that in common. But this also is a, is a separation point from the Christian community now and the rest of the world because not all people receive that. Not all people uh, ask God for that. And, and, and so here's a bifurcation now between our common unity with all of humanity and our common unity as, as beggars who have found a source of food, as broken who found healing. As, as the lost who've been found, right? We have the opportunity to receive redemption. But brothers and sisters, and I mean that literally now in terms of those who have trusted in Jesus Christ, our, our common unity isn't done yet. We also have a common mission, right? Or, see it coming? Commission, right? We also have a common mission, And he's given us a method for that. We've explored that in length over the last six weeks. It is to make disciples who make disciples, right? We have this common mission, but right here, I want you to see the larger picture here. We've been given the ministry of reconciling the world to God through Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow. What are you thinking, God? Right? What are you thinking? And he's saying, I'm thinking perfectly clearly. You are worthy of that mission. Of, of being my presence in a world of, of through your words and more importantly through your actions, bringing those who are far from Jesus into a living relationship with it. So, so what is our common unity? We've been created. We've all been created by God. We've all fallen short. We've all been given the opportunity and some now have chosen to receive that gift of redemption. But with the gift of redemption comes the ministry. Um, If you want to, jot in your notes right there 2 Corinthians 1 and 2 Corinthians 5 both go in depth into it. We are Christ's ambassadors. And sometimes, this is so beautiful, we've preached about it before, but sometimes it's the very things that cause pain that become a part of the amazing ministry we have to other people. Sometimes it's our very brokenness that prepares us for the unique work that God has for us so let's get let's get practical what does this look like what do we do then if this is our common unity what do we do we said already we make disciples who make disciples but how does that happen and and in Acts we saw in a very uh, compact way Four things that are worthy of your attention. Four things that you can embrace and incorporate into your life that will not only draw you closer to Jesus, will not only make you a, 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 a growing disciple of Jesus, but will help you to make disciples who make disciples. What are they? You can see them right in front of you. Most of you are already filled in all the blanks. That's good. That's good. You're way ahead of me. But we devote ourselves to the Word of of God devote devote ourselves we we make this a top priority and and we make the sacrifices necessary for that word of God to become a part of your life, And some of you are going, well, didn't, doesn't it say right there where they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching? Remember that a lot of them had a common knowledge of the Old Testament. What the apostles did was invited them. We saw that in the Great Commission, called them to put the word of God into action. They called them to obedience. And so in a larger sense, the devotion is to the word of God, which gives us everything we need for life. Devote yourself to the Word of God on the weekend. He's got this wonderful tool. He's preaching over next door right here, but Pastor Josh St. Clair just helped us with a tool we're going to make available to you in the weeks ahead to simply open that Word of God and let it speak to you. But if we are going to be a community of Christ, then we'll devote ourselves to the word of God. We'll also devote ourselves, and he uses a particular word here, to the fellowship, right? And, and this, is, this is a unique word, uh, one that's familiar to some of you, koinonia, right? But it implies a common unity based around the spirit of Christ, right? Based around the living presence of Jesus in our midst. We devote ourselves to that fellowship of the people of God. In other words, we ratchet up a little bit um, this relationship that we have right here. We ratchet up. Yes, it goes way beyond us so that you can go anywhere in the world. That's not quite true. There's a lot of places where the gospel has not gone but most places in the world you can go and you can instantly slide into a common unity with people who worship Jesus. But, uh, but uh, Luke, a recording in here saying the early apostles devoted themselves to that community. To that community. We were talking in our Sunday school class. So many communities that were part of you know, the the sports groups the um, um the, the temporary identities my my sister just became a Rams fan. she hated football her whole life but became a rams fan out of out of the blue and and um but these temporary communities um, don't last. doesn't it make sense that we would devote ourselves to the fellowship, to the community that will last and this isn't this weird, Curtis, that, that we've enjoyed sweet fellowship, amen? Um, um, but that's going to go on for eternity. That's going to go on for eternity, brother. Because of Jesus Christ, it makes sense that, that we would prioritize that. So they devoted themselves to the word of God, but also to this community, the fellowship of the people of God. They've devoted themselves and here. I'm going to stick my neck out here. They devoted themselves to the breaking of the bread. Now, when I say that, what immediately comes to your mind when, when I say breaking of bread? A lot of us, our minds go to communion, and that is absolutely true, um, Communion is a symbol of, of something larger, right? It's communion is a symbol of that fellowship that is to come. They actually, and we can, I can back this up by going to Acts chapter 4, they actually, it did not preclude communion, but it actually meant every time they sat down at table together. I am all in. They devoted themselves to lunch, right? Um, um, why is that? There are few moments as unique as, as table fellowship, right? There are few moments as important as breaking bread. In many cultures, even today, you, it means that you trust that person, that you're willing to sit at table with them. In many cultures, it was a mandate that you were to break bread with even the sojourner and the stranger. Uh, it's a sign of, of opening your heart and opening your home to others. They devoted themselves to breaking bread in the houses, right? And to sharing in that table fellowship. And I've shared with you before that one third of the gross national product of Israel was dedicated to celebrations, to breaking bread and rejoicing. And they didn't just have, they didn't just have these little two to four hour celebrations. They had seven or eight day celebrations. So, um, they devoted themselves to that. There's a word for us in there, right? There's a word for us. Let's devote ourselves to breaking bread. Together with each other. With each other. Let's trust that that God is going to do something wonderful as we open our hearts to that opportunity together. Well, um, lastly, they devoted themselves to prayer. Right? To prayer. So many times I'm with people who feel like the purpose of God has passed them by. And they're not able to, like um, pretty exciting things we see, they're not able to um, go to Marseille and minister to North Africans. They're not able necessarily to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. In fact, some of them can't even get outside their door. I was talking to my mom last night and and she was saying she barely ever gets out of the house anymore. That's so weird for me. My robust mom, my mom who was my hero, right? And, and she's at that season of life now where she rarely gets out of the house at all. The beauty of the ministry of prayer is that you don't need to. You can touch uh, the mothers and sisters and aunts and, and uh, relatives of the incarcerated just by praying for them. You can impact your neighborhood. Remember last week? Our first step in this adventure is to pray, to pray for our neighbors. And, and, and I challenged you to pray five minutes a day, five times a week for five of your neighbors. And I challenged you and I failed miserably. About Thursday, I'm going, oops, that was the challenge I gave to them. And I did a little quick catch up, right? Right. Um, Prayer is powerful. You break strongholds, right? Prayer beats back the enemy. God gives you the power in prayer to bind the evil one and to cast them out. God has given you an amazing opportunity to make a difference and, and to be used by him in blessing other people. Let's, let's stop for a second and do that right here. Can we pray together? God, thank you. That we are not helpless, thank you, Father, that you have given us this opportunity, God to trust in you and to put our weight down, God, on what you say is a foundation of community. What you say, father is is a priority of the Church of Jesus Christ. I just thank you so much for these women and men who surround me. I thank you so much that, that your word is trustworthy. And 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 God, if we will simply put it into practice, if we will simply say to you, um, God, here am I, use me. You will transform the face of the earth as a result. So God help us, would you? To prioritize community and help us as families and also as a spiritual family to prioritize your word to prioritize spirit to spirit fellowship to prioritize breaking of bread together to prioritize prayer and and God we will give you the praise and the glory in Jesus name well what is it that we do we become community and we live out the life in community but the beautiful thing about this vision that Peter painted right here was, was that there is room in this community. He says, you, you are like living stones being built into a spiritual temple, right? There is room in this community for others. In fact, the implication uh, to me is that he's still building that community, right? One day we were celebrating this, one day we're gonna stand in glory, we're gonna look across there at all the saints who have worshiped Jesus and we're gonna rejoice when when um when each one receives their crowns and we're gonna stand in awe or actually fall to our knees as as we throw those crowns at the feet of Jesus together, we say yes, right? One day we're going to experience that, but but God's not done yet. He's still building His community, and there's there's holes in the wall. There's there's living stones that have yet to be added. So so we want to make sure that there is a place for everyone, for everyone. Not just the ones who have the same eschatology, right? Not just the ones who memorize the same passages, but for every precious child of God that we make room for them and we invite them to a deeper life. Peter says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. In other words... People that stand between God and those who don't know Him and offer sacrifices of prayer, who offer sacrifices of praise, who offer themselves as living sacrifices so that other people can come to know Jesus. We were reminded on our congregational retreat that Paul at one point said, Oh God, if I could offer my life and I would spend an eternity apart from you, so that my brothers and sisters could know you, God, I would do that. I would do that. He would, in other words, spend a, a Christless eternity so that those who right now are destined for a Christless eternity might be able to spend it with God. Oh, well, we know what Paul knows that. Before the foundation of the world, God knew us. He knew exactly who would receive him. He knows everything about us. He chose those who would spend eternity with him. But I love the priest's heart of Paul. That says, God, whatever it takes, I offer. This is not new to you. you. You live this for your children. You live this for your spouse. Some of you are living it right now for people that you love. You understand this. Jesus has just invited us to broaden the scope of our influence to those who don't yet know Him. To do that, we're going to have to do a couple of different things. We're going to have to find our own place. We're going to have to come to Him. And the beauty is, is as we do all those other things All those other questions are answered. All those other missing pieces fall into place. But we have to find our place in God's house, right? And the implication of this passage is thats that we're going to have to intercede for one another as well. We're going to have to be priests for one another. Not just those of the faith, though that's an amazing role. And, and, and many of you have been doing this for Rita this week. Many of you have been doing this for Dave and Kristen this week. Many of you have engaged in that. But also, and maybe even especially for those who don't yet know him, right? For those who don't yet know him. So, how are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing, my community? Have you invested in the wrong places? Oh, I invite you to invest deeply in your family, but know that your job is that, the, that you'd send that family off, that they would leave. This is right where Karen and I are right now. God, we, we hate this, but it's what we're supposed to do, right? It's what we're supposed to do. And some of you are having to let go of loved ones. I hate this, God but it's what I'm supposed to do. I have to entrust them to you. I have to entrust them to you. How are you doing? Two quick questions for you. What are you building with your life, right? What are you building with your life? Peter, Luke, um, all the writers of Scripture invite you to build up one another, right? They invite you to build up one another. What are you building? Right? And then the second question is, on what? Because some of us are building our lives on things. But also, and more importantly, on whom? On whom is your life built? Um, Jesus is inviting you to risk putting your weight down on him. And that is a cornerstone worthy of your trust.